Hey listeners, I'm Adele, and welcome to The Story Behind, a careers podcast where I invite guests from different industries to tell us the real story behind their job titles. Calvin Corelli is a serial entrepreneur passionate about software and spirituality, so he founded Simplaro, a fully integrated platform for coaches to transform lives at scale. We're scared of humans. That's why we cling to the computer so that we can like we can control that universe. They called me up and said, "Hey, we've outsourced uh, your work to India." So sorry. <laughs> and so I was just like, "Oh God." I thought I was so smart because I could always see how they could do it better. Then when I went to create my own thing from scratch, holy moly! Could you tell us a bit about like your entrepreneurial journey? How you, what motivated you to like found the multiple businesses that you have right now? Both my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, my mom started a software company from nothing, grew it to fifty people, um, and my dad bought a company and grew that uh, over the years. Um, and so, I, yeah, I got into software and tech programming very early, and the whole like that way of of living was always very natural to me. And um, I started businesses when I, when I was in school and in high school, and and like small stuff, but I made made decent money for myself for that age. And that time, this is pre-internet, right? So you don't have like I, there's no like crypto millionaires, Bitcoin stuff. It was it was all. Um, through actual meeting actual people, mostly my parents' connections, people that they knew that needed software. Um, and when I started my first company as an adult, it was um, it, I was quite successful quite early on. And then I ran into all kinds of mental barriers, you know, mental, emotional. We all, as entrepreneurs, were limited by who we are, our state of being, our mindset, our beliefs, our, our wounding, our trauma patterns. And uh, that's what I ran head, head first into. And so that took me off on a journey of personal growth and personal discovery that then brought me you know, to where I am today, where I really see that as the core, the core differentiator for us as entrepreneurs is, is how well we do with our mindset. And that's I've found that that's actually my deepest passion is working with entrepreneurs on their, on their, on them, on themselves, really, right? Every single, every business problem is a personal problem that shows up in business. And every personal problem is ultimately a spiritual. I was wondering when you coach entrepreneurs, sort of how do you um, get down to the deeper level? A lot of entrepreneurs are driven by a need, like maybe they grew up poor and they want to make sure that they make money, right? That they're safe or they feel insignificant and they want to do something to feel significant or they feel, you know, not good enough. That that not good enough becomes the drive to help you succeed. And that can be super helpful. There's nothing wrong with that. The only problem is that, like I said, it's never going to be enough. And so you're going to burn yourself out unless you learn to switch the energy source, the fuel source that you use to to come from more of a contribution, more of a heart, more of a, like, I feel complete already and I feel like filled with love. And now I can give others from that place, from my abundance. You talked about your background being in as a software engineer. And I was wondering if the corporate route has ever been an option. Corporate never, never spoke to me. No. Um, I worked for, I worked for exactly three companies outside of my own. Uh, in my life. Number one was my 
my mom's company, my mom's software company. <laughs> Number two was my dad's company. He had a production company, manufacturing company, uh, where I also did software for him. And the third was a software company in, in Boston, Massachusetts, um, called Ars Digita. It was around, it was, I, got, I got hired in 1999. I was there for, I think, like a year and a half, maybe longer, two years, uh, which was a great learning experience for me. But it was, a, I was employee number, I think, 40. And they were 260 when I when I got laid off along with everybody else. After 9-11, there was mass layoffs there. Um, learned so much from that, but I don't think I could ever, ever work corporate <laughs> or really, really at the end of the day, work for anybody else. Um, it's not, it's not who I am. There are lots of things I kind of want to follow up um, with yeah. that. First, I want to ask about what you didn't like about corporate culture. I like, I like starting things. I like creating things. I like the chaos of new beginnings, the, the creativity um, the experimentation, the fast pace, but once it's kind of established and, and that, that just has never appealed to me. So are there any tough decisions that you have to make or some sacrifices to keep the company going or to get the tasks done? And the hardest for me is always, um, letting go of people. Um, I, like my, my weakness is that I fall in love with people's potential and I fall in love with people and I see what's possible. And then when it's not happening, cause they're not, you know, they're not living up to their potential. I, I, you know, have to, or they're not just meeting my needs, right. Meeting what, what the company needs. At what point do you know it's time to let them go? Um, if they're not like pushing themselves hard enough. The question I, I try to ask myself is two, two questions. One is, would I rehire this person? Knowing what I know today, if they weren't on my team, would I hire them for this role? Yes or no. The other is, how would I feel if they were gone? If they were long, no longer on the team, would it feel, feel like a re relief? Or would I feel like I miss them? It's, it's so important that you have people that really want it. And so it's, it's another question. I had a, a COO some years ago that I, I sat down with and I was like, listen, if you were me, knowing what you know today, would you hire yourself for this role? That was my question to him, which is kind of a, like we had a really good, really good conversation. We had a good chemistry. So I could ask that kind of question. And he was like, honestly, no. <laughs> and so that was kind of, and then he's like, knowing what I know today, would I take the job? Uh, -uh. It's like, okay, let's not keep doing this, huh? Let me put it this way people's self-assessments are so interesting. Like where they're like, oh yeah, I'm really good. I'm worth like, like a lot of money. And then like, so I had some, some, some engineers. I, I was like, okay, need to switch up what kind of talent we're looking, we're hiring. Like, you know, talent is everything, right? So, I mean, leadership, a vision is super important, but talent at the end of the day, you need, you need the people on your team to that can realize the vision. And so I was like, okay, let me try something new. Let me, I, I work with one of the top recruiters in the country, tech recruiter, fantastic, fantastic company, fantastic guy. Had him find me um, some top level people, including an engineer. And this engineer, we're paying him like way more than any other engineer in the team. 
came in with via this recruiter, which I had to, I had to pay the recruiter 25% of first year salary on top of that, get the guy in. And he just think he's the fucking hottest thing since sliced bread. And a week into it, I'm like, okay, you talk a big game, but you haven't produced anything. Like you haven't actually written any code yet. And we're a week in. And I kept thinking, well, it's probably me. Like maybe there's something I'm not understanding. Like he's like, he's just like understanding it all, taking it all in. And then he's just going to freaking crush it and just like churn on like out, like amazing. Okay. Let's give it another week and see nothing. I gave him a full freaking month. And I was like, dude, I have a dude in India that I'm paying like 50K a year. He makes more in a day than you did in a month. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but, but like people's self-assessment or self-perception is so like, can be so all over the map. And I think that's the, that's one of the hardest things because they think they're doing freaking amazing. And I'm like, when are you going to start? Um, but it's just different people have different standards. They can be so freaking different. And that's one of the things that you, that you need to assess really early on when you hire people. Cause like if their standards is just way off from yours, it's not really going to work. We all need to be in a situation where more is expected of us than we think we have. And then we realize we have that we can. And then like we have a new note. Now you have a new baseline and then you keep doing that. And the baseline keeps increasing. I remember years ago, we had a client, I was working for Greenpeace International and we were doing building a CMS for them. And um, it was like early internet days and there's some CSS that meant like, basically whenever we made a change, it screwed up. When we, we fixed something over here and it screwed up five things over there. And then we'd go fix that and it screwed up these other three things. And, like, and we didn't know what was going on. And then finally their CTO gave me a call and he was like, I don't care what the hell you need to do to fix this, but this is not sustainable. Like get your shit together and, 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 and fix it. And so I was like, Oh crap. And I grabbed my front end developer and we sat down for hours and like, okay, let's figure this fucking thing out. And then, and then finally it clicked. It was like, Oh, it's a bug in internet Explorer that meant like the thing we thought were supposed to work. didn't work with CSS. And I was like, Oh, that's what's happening. So we just had to take a whole different approach to how we did it, but we figured it out. And I'm so grateful for this guy having this sit down because we could have noodled around for freaking ever if he hadn't been like, dude, get this figured out. Like this is not happening. Um, and I think that's the gift, right? Really holding people to a higher standard is a gift. Not everybody, everybody wants the gift, but it is a gift because like, like there's nothing, there's no downside to learn to operate at a higher standard. No, none whatsoever. Um. I'm really curious about, so what you talked about with the working with the client, was that um, working for your own business? Yeah. Yeah. And how is it like to work for like your parents' family business and like transitioning into starting your own? It's always a little interesting being the boss's son because I hear stuff that, that they wouldn't share with my, my, you know, with the boss but I hear it because I'm there and they might share it with me freely, but then, and then I don't want to betray their, their trust. But I also, I'm like, my mom, my dad needs to freaking know this. Right. So, Hey, I want to make sure that, that you're aware that this is happening. Don't say it, it's coming from me and don't like, don't smack down on people, but more like, Hey, how can we solve this? Right. How do we like, how do we address this? So everybody's happy. So it's not like, but, but like a, Let's come together and, and get and be better. And then transitioning to working for myself was 
Yeah, it was pretty easy actually, because I, so in between I moved to the States and worked for this company in Boston and they were doing an open source software project. Um, and since I'd been doing that, I started a consulting firm after I left there, I started a consulting firm specializing in that open soft uh, framework. And so I, that's how I got to work with Greenpeace and MIT and University of, of, of Heidelberg and other kind of fairly big names um, right out of the gates and, and kind of had a smooth, smooth entry there. Um, the one thing that was really shocking to me was transitioning from a consulting services firm that was basically hire us as coders to doing a product company. I always knew that I wanted to do product because services don't scale, right? You only have so many hours. You can mark up your hours by so much, but it's a lot of like, it's not what I want. I want something that was scalable. And, and the process of coming up with a product, what product to build, how to conceive of it, how to think of it is like, that was a whole different ball game than like, than clients. Like clients would come, they would have their requirements and they'd be like, yeah, this is what we need. And I'd, be like, I'd always do the, the, the backseat driving kind of thing. It was like, oh, this is dumb. You should do this instead. That would be better. And I, I thought I was so smart because I could always see how they could do it better. Then when I went to create my own thing from scratch, holy moly, <laughs> that was a whole different ball game. Like, how do you do that? I don't know. And the way that it finally worked for me was with Simplero. So I had a, in 2008, I had a moment of sitting down and like everything was crashing around me, um, like um, like financially and then family and in every possible way. And like the, the, the projects, I would always like work on my product business and then that didn't really go anywhere. And then I would go back to, you know, just selling my time for money so that I could pay the bills. And then I kind of go back and forth between the two. But at this point, none of the four money projects that were lined up panned out. They all kind of collapsed dramatically. And I got a call from, from Greenpeace who had been paying, they had been my trusty client for years. They called me up and said, Hey, we've outsourced uh, your work to India. So sorry. <laughs> and so I was just like, Oh God. And so I had a moment where I asked myself, you know, or my, my creator, I will, if you will, I said like, listen up, is this you trying to tell me, that now is the time for me to find out what I actually want versus just chasing like the money. Cause I was very, I was chasing like the, the financial security from those jobs, but I was also chasing like wanting to prove myself so bad. I needed to create a massive successful company so that I could show the world that I was like significant, right. That I matter, that I was, I was somebody it was, uh, I was, yeah, I was a somebody. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is the time. So I sat down and asked myself a bunch of questions. Like, what did I love to do as a kid? What did I dream of becoming when I grew up? What kind of moments did I enjoy the most? What kind of people do I love being around that give me energy? What kind of activities give me energy? Things like that. Wrote a bunch of stuff down. And then boom, it just landed for me. What I'm here to do on this earth is integrate spirituality and entrepreneurship. That was huge turning point for me because... After that, I, that's when I started Simplero. I was saying, I need to teach this to other people. Other entrepreneurs, every single entrepreneur I know needs this. Every single entrepreneur struggles with mindset, emotions, belief, purpose, connecting with you know, higher power, 
um, and bringing that into their business. I need to teach this to other people. And that's when I, that's when I discovered this whole world of online courses and online coaching and all that stuff. And then I built the software for that. So now the difference was I was building a product for myself, not trying to guess at what the market wanted made it made the whole difference for me. What, how did Simplaro look, look different now versus when you first started? Yeah. In the beginning, it was just me. And I just did like one piece at a time. And I was doing, I was doing my own coaching, my own courses, my own, my own stuff. And like, as I was using it, I built out stuff and I would meet with my, with my users, my customers and talk to them about what they needed and just add things to it like that. Um, and today, I mean, we're 35 people or something, um, uh, on the team spread all over the world and customers all over the world. So it's a very, it's a very different, very different organization than it was then. I'm a very different person than I was back then. Um, uh, but Simplera has been there the whole time and just keeps getting, keeps getting better and better. How do you feel like you've grew personally from this entrepreneurial journey? I was really confused on so many levels. Think about it. So I got good at computers. I think most programmers get good at programming because they're they're emotionally broken people. Right? We're scared of humans. That's why we cling to the computer so that we can like we can control that universe and like we don't have to deal socially with people. We can these days you can deal socially with people through the computer right? even better. <laughs> I have some some people that I know like I was with someone like a super nerd some years ago. And he was like, yeah, I have this girlfriend. And like, we've been together, blah, blah, blah. And like, they've never met in real life. They've never met. I'm like, that's not, that's not what it means to be boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm like, there's, there's levels to this. We need to talk, <laughs> but, but there's a reason we get, we get good at computers. And I think like every good programmer is a mentally broken, like emotionally broken person. Um, so that there's been a huge journey for me in, kind of unpacking this person that I am today, it, the boss in Boston was, he had a coach and he invited us to join with him, his coach. And um, she did this disc test with, with us, DISC. And it came back and it said that my adopted style was, or adapted maybe style was to be analytical, but my natural style was to be intuitive. And it was, I remember that moment, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I thought I was that analytical person, like very measured and really thinking about everything before I do anything or say anything, like all analytical in my mind. And this one said, oh no, you're actually very intuitive, spontaneous kind of person. And my boss was also intuitive, spontaneous, and I was really admiring that in him. And so I was like, oh crap, I am that, I am that. And I think that's true always. Like the people who, the qualities that we admire in other people, you are that. And it's a really good indicator that if you see something in another person, you, you're able to spot it and you're like, oh, I love that. That's amazing. I wish I was that. Well, you are. It's just that it's covered behind layers of stuck feelings and beliefs and, and, and old patterns and traumas. Um, and so it's been that journey of peeling those layers off to be who I am today. And that's both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Thank you so much for listening to The Story Behind. See you next time.